Were you one of the millions of viewers who didn't throw away their shot at watching the Hamilton premiere on Disney Plus last weekend? Billed as the ultimate immigrant success story, the blockbuster musical was penned by and starred a man who grew up in an immigrant community playing the only founding father not from America. Lin-Manuel Miranda told Oprah that as an immigrant, you work three times as hard and are promised maybe a fraction as much. This fact, not the choreographed chronicle of Alexander, more closely reflects the lived experience of Tim Leon Gettin's ancestors and his Spanish for Spanish speakers students. Most of Tim's ancestors settled in Minnesota from Ireland during the potato famine. His great-grandmother was the first European born along the shores of Lake Minnetonka. His other side of the family came from Sweden in the 1880s, and his great-grandfather Carl Gustav wrote the fight song for the University of Minnesota, from where Tim earned his graduate degree. Tim's path to teaching Spanish began when he loved learning as an exchange student in Chile and later Spain. 29 years later, we have the privilege of talking with him about immigration and his students at Open World Learning Community in St. Paul, Minnesota. Welcome to Fund for Teachers, the podcast. I'm Carrie Caton, and the goal of each episode is to elevate teachers as the inspiring architects of their careers, classrooms, and school communities. Today, we visit with two-time Fund for Teachers fellow, Tim Leon Gettin. Although Tim is four generations removed from his family's immigration to the United States, he teaches students who are first-generation Americans, as well as advanced Spanish speakers from local dual-language schools. Tim's volunteer work with a nonprofit dedicated to supporting asylum seekers by supporting their volunteer attorneys inspired his 2020 fellowship, which he will pursue next summer due to COVID. At that time, Tim will experience the U.S.-Mexico border as an interpreter for lawyers and family detention centers, and afterwards research in Guatemala conditions leading to mass immigration to help Spanish students unpack the complex issues surrounding immigration. I'd like to begin by asking you to describe your classroom and your school so we can get an idea of why you chose to design this particular fellowship. You teach at an EL school and your students are advanced Spanish speakers, but both of those descriptors are very complex. So can you kind of unpack what that means for, for an EL school and what a broad label your advanced Spanish speakers, what, what that covers? Okay. So, well, first off, so I, I teach at a um, school called Open World Learning Community, and it's in uh, St. Paul, and it's part of St. Paul Public Schools. So we're a, a citywide magnet within the public school district. Um, the school's been around since the early 70s, and about 10 years ago, we joined EL Education. EL Education is, is a, uh, a, a national network of about 160 schools, really focused, you know, on um, kind of on three big things, on the mastery of skills and knowledge, on character education, and on high-quality work. And so the idea of being, you know, a, a very much of a, a school centered in the community that does deeper learning and really dig into topics um, through a series that we call learning expeditions, which are called, you know, maybe a really good hands-on uh, unit in any school when you might refer to that. But uh, the idea that uh, students can ask really big questions and answer those through a series of really uh, engaging learning opportunities that has some authenticity and some connection to the real world. And so 
that's kind of you know how it plays out in a nutshell. And um, but in terms of my classroom, I, I teach Spanish and, and I teach the, the upper levels. And so, you know, I have a Spanish four and a Spanish five class. But then, you know, specifically for this, this uh, project, we're engaged in with my uh, heritage speaker classes, which we call Spanish for Spanish speakers. And um, I have a couple of sections of that. And um, about half of my kids in these classes are first language speakers, um, speak Spanish at home and haven't necessarily had a ton of formal Spanish language education. And then the other half are kids that have been through like immersion programs and may or may not have Spanish-speaking parents. A lot of times in schools when they have heritage language classes, they're just for kids that only speak Spanish at home and, and not this other group because they might not have that population. So we have a kind of an interesting mix of kids in this. Um, we've got about, you know, 50 to 60 kids that are in one of these categories and we've put together these, uh, these classes for them. I love that you said that you were four generations away from the immigrant experience yourself. What did draw you to this topic? I think it's, it's such a great topic for, especially in Spanish class, um, you know, and, and like I said, a large percentage of my students, either they or their parents have been, you know, through this experience. And then, and then for the other students who have a background more like mine that have you know, been multiple generations and probably, you know, perhaps from Europe or other places. It's a super important topic for them to understand. And so when you're talking about different Latin American cultures and things, it's like, it, it's just part of every topic. <laughs> so it's a, it's a big one. <laughs> you know, it's funny because when I started this class, you know, doing this similar kinds of, of projects, maybe, you know, 10 years ago, and it was a very different set of realities in, in the country. And so it's, it's different now. And, it, and it's a lot more um, intense for a lot of the students. Um, their families are considering leaving after being here for, you know, some of the students are, you know, 17 years old. They don't remember being in El Salvador or in Honduras, but they're, now their families are thinking, you know, maybe it's time to go. And that's a pretty painful situation. And the kids are thinking of what they should do. Should they stay? Should they leave? Beyond the fact that their uncles and grandparents maybe live there, they, you know, it's a place to go to visit for them. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a reality for them. And so then it becomes a really uh, a difficult topic to, to really dig into for a very highly personal for many students. Right. So um, you, you've been a teacher for 29 years. Yeah. But, but you also spent a lot of time in Central America for extended periods of time. So tell, tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to teaching. Um, uh, you know, I, I uh, majored in Spanish and Latin American studies and, as an undergrad. And um, my whole family are teachers, like, you know, grandparents, parents uncles, my brother, they're all teachers. And I, I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm, and I, <laughs> it's, it's nice. I like it, you know, but I'm not going to, that's not my thing, you know, and it just kind of worked. It, I mean, it, was, it became clear that I was like, yeah, I, I should probably do this. I went to grad school, got my teaching degree. So I'm licensed in Spanish and in uh, ELL or ESL or EL or <laughs> very confusing all this. English is a second language. Um, and so I did, I've done that for a lot of my career as well. And so this connection to Central America happened when I just started teaching. I wanted to, you know, 
make sure I was, you know, learning more things. You know, I'd studied abroad in Spain and traveled a little bit here and there and in Latin America, but not too much. And so I really started to focus in on Guatemala and go there each summer um, and do different projects there while I was teaching. And so I started to do a video curriculum of people that I met there as a way to bring the lives of people's, um, you know, people's realities into their classroom. From that, some different projects came up some kind of service learning projects and things based around women's cooperatives and things and um, some human rights organizations and things would kind of come into to the classroom as well. After I got married, my wife and I went or stayed for a couple of years and, and I taught there at an international school. So it was a way to kind of be there for a little longer as well. And then since then, we just kind of always, you know, kept up with friends and, and you know, really connected deeply there. But um it's been very helpful to, to know it from that side of things, as well as my students' experiences and the families here in, in Minnesota. And so seeing them, you know, the, 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 the situation from many, from many points of view plays into the project that I've proposed for, for Fun for Teachers in, in not looking at it just from, you know, what are we seeing here in the United States or at the border, but looking at it from all the different perspectives. Yeah, let's talk about that. That's a great segue because you have a really unique take on a fellowship that I've, I've never seen. I've been here, I guess, 13 years. And I like the role that you're playing in your fellowship. So you were awarded a grant to experience the U.S.-Mexico border as an interpreter for lawyers and family detention centers and afterwards research in Guatemala, conditions leading to mass immigration to help Spanish students unpack the complex issues surrounding immigration. So when you sat down and you thought, what would I do with the $5,000 Fund for Teachers grant, how did you arrive at this idea? Yeah, so in the, in the last couple of years, I've been volunteering with uh, a group of lawyers who are working on asylum issues, folks here in the United States, translating of documents and news articles and things that will help their cases here. And then those lawyers go down to the border um, periodically, so they have you know groups of people coming from all different parts of the country, and they're they're documenting the situation, and then they're also working on, with people on their individual cases as they do that. Um, but uh, so that's kind of led me to realize, you know, like you know, I have I've been to the border area for, but not to specifically with this purpose, and it's something that I feel like is a big part of understanding what's going on, and to be able to bring some of that back to my students could be super valuable. My students, they, you know, they're kids in Minnesota. And even if their families have, have immigrated or they themselves immigrated, they, they don't have a much of a connection to what's happening in that situation. And so um, I feel like that's a really important piece there. Mm-hmm. And then the other part of my project is, is to go to Guatemala and do a series of interviews. When I started thinking about this, I thought about, you know, all of the the different friends that I have, um, some of them um, have lived in the United States for a while and gone back, um, either had come as, you know, kind of, as, you know, for economic reasons, but others for, um, for um, asylum, political asylum reasons. Um, and so, um, and, then, and then other friends I have that thought about going but never did, or everyone that has multiple family members that have that are currently here and so kind of looking at all those 
different aspects of the situation and what that means. Um, I think it's uh, would be a great way to kind of start to fill out that picture a little bit, not just looking at where the experiences of people here in Minnesota, but also back in the home countries and, and what, is, what are the reasons why people leave, why do they stay, um, if they've gone back, why, what is it, what, what's motivating them there? And so there's, there's so many interesting factors that come into play. And I think that those kinds of personal stories can really be valuable for students to understand that like, okay, there's this decision from the Supreme Court or there's this caravan happening and okay, well, what, is, what does that mean? Who are these people and why are they coming? What are the factors there? What is the role that our country's played in that? And, and what are things that we can do as individuals to, to help um, in this situation? I like the reflection that you use, that you went back and you thought, you know, here's, I have this, these experiences, I have these relationships, how can I leverage those to create some really rich learning? And I, I think that's a really good, a good exemplar for other teachers who are trying to decide what to do. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's, it's kind of like a wave, you know, build on what I already know, but then think about all the ways, you know, the things that I'm not really sure about and, and what can I, you know, how can I draw more? out of that and then to be able to share that with my students in a way too. And I mean, and part of the reason too that I feel like I, the working as an interpreter and, and going to the border too is, is, an, is, you know, beyond the fact of what I'll learn and what I can bring back to the kids, but just also modeling service learning and, and it's not just something we do at school. Um, it's something that's throughout our lives. And so that's something that we always are, you know, working at um, fostering in our students is to create a mindset and a, it's just part of what you do. It's not a, thing you have to get done in order to graduate, but it becomes part of their everyday life. Tim's school, Open World Learning Community, is a member of the EL Education Network, whose mission is to create classrooms where teachers can fulfill their highest aspirations and students achieve more than they think possible, becoming active contributors to building a better world. Fund for Teachers has collaborated with EL Education since 2004 to award 592 teachers with almost $2 million in grants for self-designed summer professional development. To learn more about EL Education, visit bit.ly slash FFTELEducation. We're learning from 29-year veteran teacher and St. Paul Public School Teacher of the Year, Tim Leon Gettin, Spanish teacher at Open World Learning Community in St. Paul, Minnesota. Tim designed his fellowship to serve as an interpreter for attorneys attempting to help asylum seekers at family detention centers on the U.S.-Mexico border. Afterwards, he will film interviews across Guatemala about the conditions leading to mass immigration. When you go down to Guatemala, you will be interviewing and videoing individuals in indigenous communities, but also in more, more urban areas. Can you yeah. talk a little bit about your plans? <laughs> Over years and years of, of going there, we've really got friends in, you know, kind of every part of the, the country. And something that's kind of hard to, to grasp here in the United States is, is, you know, a country like Guatemala is about, you know, half the size of the state of Minnesota. And it's got 23 different ethnic groups. And just the geographic and cultural linguistic diversity is just astounding, you know. And, and um we have friends that live all over and they have all different experiences and but having all those different 
um, connections to folks in different parts of the country and, and all of their different experiences. And, and looking at it through the lens of immigration is super valuable because every single person I know has a different story to tell about immigration and, and they're all fascinating. So those are really kind of exciting ideas to, to be able to, to bring in all those different um, points of view. You wrote really beautifully about your learning goals. I love this learning goal. How did a nation of immigrants, which has at times during its history served as a welcome refuge for those searching for a safe place to build a new life, transformed into a place that separates children from their parents and assumes all refugees are criminals? So that's one of the learning goals or the guiding questions that uh, you intend to pursue. Can you talk about either that or some of the other goals that you have? Yeah, no, I think that, I mean, I think that um, what's often lost in like what's going on right now is like how things haven't always been this way. And that it's very recently where things have gone to this situation. And, and also, I mean, just looking at asylum, I mean, these folks that are coming right now um, in the last couple of years, this is, this is not folks that are like just looking for a better job. They literally can't stay in their country. They are leaving out of threat of death. And how that is in contrast to what happened for decades with the Bracero program, where we were bringing guest workers in to help out with our, our farming in the, in the Southwest, how we've gotten so far away from that. And what are the roles of the United States in this crisis? Because it didn't just happen. There's, there's specific things that have happened and, and reasons that have and failed policies that have led to this um, cascading situation. So I think it's really important for us to look at that and to, to examine that. How is immigration different? I mean, there's always, you know, we, we going back to the eugenics movement in the early part of the 20th century, I mean, there's always been racism and injustice related to immigration issues for everyone, you know, without even getting into forced immigration in terms of, of the slave trade. And so so there's, there's not like that would used to be great and now it's bad. It's just that things, um, you know, you need to look at how they've developed and how did we get to this present situation that we're at now at the border. And so I think that, you know, one of the things is, is really, you know, focusing in on that history and understanding that, but also making personal connections in a way that it's not just a news report or news article that you read about it, but okay, so what does this mean on an individual basis for people? And what is their what are their motivations and what is their 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 aspirations? And so to do that then and and having that connect with students, um, whatever their experience has been within their family, can really start to make it more impactful. And so so it's like kind of like that connection to history, but also keeping it very personal and and um, and and focusing in on the individual person as a way for students to get more meaning out of it. Yeah, you talk about in your application of learning and what you'll do when you get back, and, and that's, that's exactly what you've structured, because you have experts coming in to speak, immigration attorneys coming in and speaking in Spanish to your class and having expert folders where your students can gain knowledge about the history of immigration. But then you have a, a final project where they will replicate really what you are doing on your fellowship and doing interviews of their own families. Can you talk a little right. bit about all of, all of those things that you intend to do? Because it's scaffolded in a way that I think is packed with meaning and intention. 
Yeah, and, and a lot of that structure is recognizable to folks that work in EL schools too, is that, that learning expedition structure there of building background knowledge and seeking out experts and, and doing some field work and connecting in with what we know in our community and then producing products that have some authentic audience in the world. And they're going to be producing some podcasts that are you know based on these interviews, either family members or other community folks. What's great is like the podcast is such a fantastic uh, medium that has so many different aspects to it. You know, um, it's gone so far from just a series of interviews to all the different uh, ways that it's, it's manifested itself lately. Um, so students are, are getting much more sophisticated in their production of these. And so that's really cool. I mean, it's really great because everything kind of builds on itself and they, they get better and better with the technology. Will you talk about the books that you're that will be included in your common read? Yeah, so um, we uh, one is called Cajas de Carton, or um, I think it's in English it's called Circuit, which which is which the literal name of it is cardboard boxes, and it's by Francisco Jimenez. Um, and it takes place in the um, 40s and 50s in California, and his family moves to the United States and are um, you know migrant workers in the art, agricultural fields in, in California. And he's got a series of books. This is that one we're using for this part is, is the first one. And, and throughout our curriculum, I'm using his kind of tells his whole story. He eventually becomes a, a professor of Spanish in, in the in the UC system. Um, and he's, you know, he's an old guy now. He's, he's a grandpa. Um, but But it's a beautiful story in terms of telling from a child's perspective how, the, how his life has played out. And it's amazing because it happens in the 40s how similar it is to people's experiences today. Um, the, the parallels are incredible. Um, there's some significant differences and stuff, but it's pretty, it's pretty astounding. It's really nice because you know, it's in both Spanish and English. And then another is a book by Julio Alvarez, which is called Return to Sender, um, or De Volver a Remitente. Um, that was originally written, I think, in English, but by uh, a Latino author. And so, it's got so many issues in there related to immigration. You wrote in your proposal, an engaged, inspired learner will be more motivated to improve their skills, leading to higher levels of proficiency. And while I know that the mastery of skills is important, it seems that the character development and service learning is so obvious in your proposal. So I guess I'll end by saying, what would you ultimately hope your students get out of this experience, out of your fellowship? I think a deeper understanding of who they are and their family's story and how that fits into kind of the broader story of our country. And using language as a, as a way to do that is great because it's such a natural connector for people and, and having a reason that they need to use the language and have being motivated to do so. Teaching language is, is so exciting because it's all, you know, it's all about connecting and, and relationships and culture and it's just so deep and has so many levels to it that it's, it's a really exciting feel and then what's great is then you can you can take a topic that's, that's very um, a powerful topic and really develop it through the use of language and so these things feed themselves right you get a all this content knowledge out of it but the content is driving the um, skills and then the skills drive the content. So it, they, they really tend to, to, to take off in that way. And for me, I've always been really motivated to, to learn language based on communicate with other people and to learn more things. And so 
that those are the things that have always motivated me as a learner. And it's not just like, a, okay, we have to learn these verbs and here's how the imperfect work. Yeah, we have to talk about that so we can you know, use those tools, but that's not the end in and of itself. It's, it's the connection and the deeper understanding of yourself and your, your family and your world. And, and language can be the, the key to that. We look forward to using this podcast to elevate more teachers as the inspiring architects of their careers, classrooms, and school communities. But you can learn from almost 9,000 Fund for Teachers fellows now by visiting fundforteachers.org slash blog, or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you, Fund for Teachers fellow Tim Leon Getton, for deepening Spanish language students' understanding of the historical, cultural, and political aspects of immigration. I'm Carrie Caton. Thank you for joining us today at Fund for Teachers, the podcast. Until next time, keep learning.